0: Hi, I'm Brianne Bennis and this is No End Insight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. This week, I'm talking to Crystal about her up and down health history that eventually led to a Crohn's diagnosis. She's the third person that I've spoken to with Crohn's and it's amazing to me how different all these stories are. Crystal is married to one of my cousins and so while we're talking, we both use a few names without giving any extra context. I'm sure you're smart enough to figure it out but here's a quick overview. Ian, who is mentioned often, is her husband and their son's name is Chase. Before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms. Thank you for talking to me. I'm super excited. Um, and I know little pieces, but I'm also kind of excited to hear this super fun chronic illness story in chronological order um so this time can you tell me were you healthy as a kid
1: um no I was uh, off and on always had stomach problems Mm -hmm. I was uh hospitalized at 13 because funny they couldn't figure out something was wrong with my stomach and I would had pain every time I ate and then um uh I went to the hospital and my my white cell count shot up in the hospital. After my mom had taken me to everywhere, naturopaths, this, that, what's wrong? Why is there pain every time she eats? And I went into the hospital at 13. They, uh, my white count shot up after I ate, they rushed me in for emergency surgery and took my appendix out, but there was nothing wrong with my appendix. Sure. And they did a full, they did a full bowel exploratory and they're like, we don't know what's wrong. Uh-huh. And then a couple months later, they found a, some kind of par- a, something in my stomach that is only usually found in infants. I got some meds and I got better, but I always sort of had a touchy stomach. But mm-hmm. it just became my normal.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally
1: anxiety and kind of a weird stomach. But that was just me. You don't think anything of it because that's right. you.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's part of it, especially when something happens when you're young. You don't like you don't have any other context for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so that was at 13. And then when you say touchy stomach, did you become like? did you start adapting? Were you eating differently? Were you, I don't know, going to the bathroom more? Like, what did that look like for you day to day?
1: For me, it was, I was, I always had a stomach ache. It was like I always had like an anxiety pains in my upper gastric and in my diaphragm. I was like, I need to push my diaphragm down. And I always assumed it was anxiety, but now mm-hmm. I get that the two are kind of linked. I could have had a stomach ache from anxiety, but you can also have anxiety from having a poorly functioning stomach. Totally. So it kind of always went hand in hand. So, I think sometimes people just thought I was neurotic, but I always, I had a stomach ache if I was upset or I had a stomach ache at school or, and it was like, oh, you know, is it, is it, is, is it in your head a little bit? Do you just upset yourself and make yourself sick or, or do you have anxiety because you don't absorb nutrients and because your stomach is off? So your thyroid is off and your B12 and your iron are all off. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, it was what came first, the chicken or the egg. Are you upsetting yourself and getting a stomach ache or do you have problems with your stomach? So therefore you have some anxiety and depression. Yeah. So. And then totally. in my 20s, I just blew it all off and partied and was like, oh, you feel like crap all the time. That's pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> and then I yeah, got o- older and, <laughs> and started investigating and being like, well, I'd like to not feel like crap a lot of the time. Because yeah. you go through those spells where you're like, for six months, I feel awesome. I feel mm-hmm. great. Everything feels good. And then you're back to, uh, you know, something's just not right. But that's just, you know, I'm usually like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it becomes okay.
0: And I like I feel like this is a theme, too, of being like in your 20s, you kind of notice that maybe it's not the same as other people's body experiences. But you're also like, I can still push through it. And then at some point there's like something happens where you're like, I cannot pretend this isn't happening anymore. Like my body has stopped putting up with this crap.
1: Yeah, I can push through. It becomes like you're normal. You're like, yeah, I can push through it. And I'm totally fine, um, eh, but you're not. Yeah. You're not totally fine at all. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I can't, um, I can't, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand how we always just thought that that would be okay. Oh, it's, it's all right. I'm going to be fine soon. And yeah. then you're just not. So.
0: Yeah, that's know. so real. And so what was the turning point like for you of like, oh, well, I just kind of feel crappy all the time, maybe with some ups and downs. And OK, I have to seriously investigate what's going on. So so you were going through your 20s and you are managing. And then did anything happen that made you want to confront it? Or was it just kind of growing up? Like, was there a crisis or was there a decision? There was a
1: crisis around, uh, I want to say, 26, 27, mm-hmm. where I was extremely fatigued, and I was working on cruise ships at the time, and I actually went home and recovered for four months because I could not get better, which I know now, I I recognize the feeling. It's the glands, it's the aching, it's the soreness, but I could have been having, some people have a Crohn's issue or flare without having the diarrhea part, like they Mm. just, without having the upset stomach part where they go in and they do a colonoscopy and they're like, whoa, you're full of Crohn's disease. But at the time, I just presented like, oh, chronic fatigue or whatever. And I did all, like I was a vegan for a year. uh, And me being a vegan was also, I ate nothing white. Like I didn't eat grains. I didn't eat, um, similar to how I eat now, but I didn't eat meat. And I ate no sugar, no, yeah, no breads, no, I ate and it helped. I felt a lot better. I did a lot of supplements. I saw some nutritional people. Then I went back to eating meat and I slowly started, you know, having beverages again and started eating poorly. I don't, I don't, in my opinion, I don't associate eating meat with eating poorly. I just started eating like normal again. I was like, well, oh, right. I'm better. I, you know, that, that, that has happened two years ago. I, and then occasionally I'd get flickers of that feeling again. And I'd be like, Hey, ease back, ease back, cut down on, you know, the stress and the busy life. And, and it would always creep back in. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel really terrible again until, until I was living in Fort St. John with Ian and working too hard, working shift work, working through the night where it started, you know, I can't sleep and my stomach's upset. And yeah, which I now recognizes my body's that the check engine light was on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what did you think? So were you seeing doctors during that four month flare? Like, had you gone to people and gotten anything?
1: Oh, I've been to a doctor and doctor was like, Oh, you're tired. Yeah, you have chronic fatigue. You look you don't look that sick. There's nothing really lot wrong with you. Yeah. And it was like, "Ah, uh, how is there nothing really wrong with me? Something is wrong." i Yeah. There's something wrong. I like, can't get out of bed. I can't do stuff. My glands are always kind of swollen. I always kind of have a temperature. Yeah. Something is wrong. So right. that's when I went to just natural medicine cuz yeah. they could at least work with something. And I did get to where I felt good. I'm taking iron, taking whatever, like yeah. getting better. So I did do some work. I did do some work. And it worked. But then again, as humans, oh, I feel good now. I'm going to do whatever.
0: I know. Push my body
1: to the limit again. Let's push the limit.
0: Yeah. I must not need to do this anymore.
1: I'm fine now. Yeah.
0: That's totally how it feels. Okay, So then, all right. So then you're in Forte, John, and things are starting to flare up again. And it sounds like Mm -hmm. either some new stuff or some different stuff. So it's not just fatigue
1: to similar anxiety depression not sleeping and i worked you know i worked 6 p.m till 4 a.m most nights and you know i worked a lot of shifts like that we worked like that through the night and and then i was you know you'd come home and drink a bottle of wine at four o'clock in the morning go to sleep you know what i mean yeah and then i we moved from fort st john it was just uh, and we moved out here mm-hmm. and I was still kind of happening but I because I didn't work for a while I was all laid off for six months when we first moved out here mm-hmm. my body kind of had a chance to recuperate and I started feeling a little bit better mm-hmm. but then I got a job and started pushing and then started having bad anxiety and then before I know it I was into the 2010 flare which I now know was Crohn's disease where I got very 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 sick mm-hmm. I, like I lost 40 pounds in the matter of. A couple months and I lost my hair and stopped menstruating and yeah. nobody knew what it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, which would be awful a lot. It's so that overlap of like, I feel sick, it's not being identified as an illness. And like, what do I do? I can't do anything. Nobody can help. I do. Did you have um, a GP at that point? I also remember that you were looking for a doctor to even yeah, was... have someone to yeah. coordinate care.
1: I was out here for uh, three years before I had a doctor. I couldn't get one. I was on the waiting list. Um, uh, My current doctor, she was at the point when I got sick sick, was on maternity leave in 2010 Mm -hmm. uh, with her first child. Um, And I couldn't. I was bouncing between Emerge and a walk-in clinic and just getting bounced around. And then by the time I got in with a gastroenterologist and got a scope, I'd already started getting better. I'd kind of had a flare. Summer was over. There was no tomatoes and raspberries, which I now know I cannot eat when Mm -hmm. I'm sick. Um, All that stuff ended and I started getting better. And then I got a colonoscopy and they were like, you're fine. You probably just need to eat more fruit and vegetables. You'll be okay. And I'm like, I stopped menstruating for four months. I stopped. Like my hair fell out. Like something was wrong. No, no. And then I had a kind of magical time of health. Yeah, got pregnant and then had a super magical time of health while I was breastfeeding Yeah, where I was like the healthiest I've ever been so So.
0: it's really interesting to me I've talked to only a few people so far but I've also heard this that a lot of people find that pregnancy itself alleviates a lot of symptoms for whatever reason whatever weird body magic is going on well
1: a lot of people it it really does for me it was the discovery while I was pregnant is Ian of course who I didn't want to listen to saying Stop drinking coffee and just see if you have peptic ulcers. Just see because I was so sick at the first uh, three months of my pregnancy with that cramps and and cramps and and diarrhea. I was just so ill. And he was like, just see. And I listened to Ian begrudgingly. And I stopped. I ate a peptic ulcer diet. So I ate no citrus fruit, no coffee and no tomatoes or anything like that. Low acid. Low acid diet. And it made a huge difference. And I felt great through my pregnancy. And for me, the real miracle Was breastfeeding Mm -hmm. like I had never felt so good in my whole life. Wow! I slept good. I everything was amazing. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. So, but it was within a year of stopping breastfeeding, I started getting really sick again.
0: Okay. Um, and then, so I'm just thinking through. So this is a much closer timeline of like you had had your worst flare ever. You were losing your hair. You lost weight, and then yeah stopping menstruating and losing weight are often super correlated I have been through a part of that as I think you know yeah um okay and then and then it resolved kind of in the fall yeah we'll say magically I'm sure now you have like a lot of sort of pieces that you've put together but at the time which is like well that was a weird thing that happened
1: yeah I stopped I you know and I look back now I stopped pushing my body Mm because I was sick I I, I went home. I worked, and I went home and went right, right to bed. I stopped fighting it. I mm-hmm. stopped going. well, I'm going to keep working out. I'm going to keep running. I, gotta, yeah. I was like, I just gave up and was like, okay, I guess I'm going to spend all my time in bed unless I'm at work. Which, if you don't have a child, and you can do that, right? And I think I, it, you know, the change in diet, I just, yeah, kind of got better. I'm not a hundred percent sure why, but Crohn's disease also does that sometimes. Sometimes right. you just go into remission. Yeah. So, I cleaned up my diet again. I was. You know, so it was just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And
0: and then how long between that and then pregnancy first?
1: So I was sick for most of 2010. Mm -hmm. um, And when I got pregnant. I was feeling really good in 2011. Mm -hmm. 2012, I got pregnant. So pregnancy of a year, you know, nine months or whatever.
0: (laughs) However long it takes. It
1: feels like forever at the time. Um, And then... Yeah. Then I just felt, I felt good. Yeah. And then nursing. Nursing I nursed for two years. Okay. And I I nursed for two years.
0: And you felt good. That's probably good. The thing that scares me the most about thinking about having kids is those first couple years when I know it's like, you're not really sleeping because there's this little monster that's crying all the time and needs to be fed. I'm like, I can't imagine the just because of how important sleep is. So if there was something else happening, I bet that was good.
1: You know, it was it, it, whatever the miracle of your body getting ready for breastfeeding. I you, you're exhausted and tired, but I wasn't. There's a difference in being exhausted and tired and sick from being exhausted and tired. You know what I mean? The yeah. difference of like yeah. I was, I was, I was pregnant. And, I mean, I was breastfeeding and I was up a lot and not sleeping. So you're kind of tired. But when I slept, I slept. Yeah. You know what I mean? When yeah. you don't, uh, the, 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 the few hours, like I get four hours of quality sleep, be up for like a half an hour to an hour, then four hours of quality sleep. Whereas, you know, when you're sick, sometimes you never get quality sleep. Yeah. So it was different in that, in that way that whatever the protection is of breastfeeding, mm-hmm. it absolutely changed everything for me.
0: Yeah. That.
1: I was amazingly like exhausted and stuff. Like I remember thinking I'm going to fall asleep on my way to work. I'm so tired. I'd never felt that deep, sleepy, tired because I always kind of had anxiety. Like I'd be up at six or seven and always kind of on yeah. edge. Whereas I had the deep, beautiful coma <laughs> sleep. Like I could sleep yeah. like I was in a coma every yeah. t- every time I needed to, and it was great.
0: Yeah. So I... yeah,
1: and I didn't realize how good I felt <laughs> until it ended. That's is how that happens. Unfortunate. Yeah. Is I was like, oh my gosh! Like six months after stopping breastfeeding, I was like, oh no, this Something's thing's happening different. again oh, no, I'm starting to not sleep good. And I was like, you didn't know how good you had it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I believe that. OK, so two years, which is a good reprieve. Well, almost basically three-year reprieve. Yeah. And then it starts to come back. So like fatigue starts to come back, poor sleep. And then what else is going on?
1: Anxiety. Anxiety is kind of my fir- the precursor, which mm-hmm. I now know is related to gut health. Mm-hmm. Right? When your gut health is failing, your brain's not getting what it needs. And and t- for me, that should have been the indicator. And then I was trying to conceive again. Mm-hmm. And I was having bad anxiety. I was having stomach problems. And my naturopath said, can you take like six months off and just like reset your body? Yeah. You're having some anxiety. Your stomach's getting kind of touchy. You know, you're putting on that, you know, weird weight around my stomach because I'm uh, like hyper all the time and addicted to sugar. And I couldn't, yeah. I was trying to rein it in. And I was recommended that rest was my best thing I needed, but you don't have time for that until your body forces you. You're like, I know I don't have time. We can't afford it. I'm not taking that kind of time off. It's just not going to happen. And like, it feels lazy. Rest. And and, when you're a doer, yeah, resting doesn't feel like you're doing something like rest is so important to get better, but you'd rather be doing an actual task to feel like you're accomplishing a thing to get better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Be like, I'm taking action. I end up doing so many like gut checks with that with with Adam now. Like on days when I'm like, I think I'm just going to lie around today and I'll be like, Is that okay? Do you think that this is like Am I just being lazy? Am I like misinterpreting? Am I preempting something that's not like I don't really need to do this right now? And he'll just be like, It's fine. Like
1: like resting is important and when yeah. did that get beat out of us oh my god but resting is not lazy The lazy and resting are two different things but we always say oh my gosh i'm so lazy oh my god yeah. i feel so bad you're doing nothing you're lying around watching tv because like that's sometimes all i can manage yeah like even reading hurts because my eyes get inflamed yeah. so uh, oh yeah I always have this weird dry eyeball thing that's how this last fly flare started I needed glasses and I was trying to figure out what was wrong with my eyes Yeah, that's funny yeah it was my eyeballs but um, yeah no resting yeah. Resting is definitely not an activity we want to participate in when no. we're on our quest to get better
0: yeah yeah being like a wellness warrior which is something that yeah, I yeah. feel like social media has made even more like how can oh. I be actively pursuing wellness and sometimes exactly. it's like, don't
1: <laughs> don't take a hot bath and get a you know lie in yeah. bed seriously yeah. yeah but we're not programmed that way I'm definitely not and no. I know you're not no. you're like so hard <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: no what's a class I can take how yeah. can I learn to be better at doing this yeah
0: oh my god yeah no I've definitely like I'm taking a nutrition class I'm whatever I've read so many books um that's real uh so you, so your naturopath recommended that you ease up and focus on rest and you did
1: question mark a little i did not take time off work but i was being really good about being like well the house is dirty because you come home from work and you do bath time bedtime put your child to bed and i was like leave the house dirty have a hot bath read my book get in the bed and i got to where i was like starting to feel the calm like i was starting to settle i was getting better i was taking a few supplements i was eating really well super Mm -hmm. clean nearly paleo and i was like but then the minute i felt okay I ran out. I went to a Zumba class, and then I went back to the gym. Within a week, I was sick again, and I, I told my naturopath. I said, "I nearly had it. Yeah. I was nearly well," and she said, "Crystal, it doesn't matter if you get well if you don't change the behaviors that got you sick in the first place." And yeah. I was like, oh. You're "Well,
0: like, I, that's I don't know about thing. that.
1: <laughs> Changing behaviors is way harder, yeah." Like actually, so and then I never. I just it was a steady, slow downhill from probably. All of 2015 until the end of 2000, uh, the the spring of 2016 when, when I started getting really, really sick. Okay. So yeah.
0: And so then it felt more like crisis mode again, it sounds like. It
1: it went into heavy crisis mode. So in the fall, I went, um... I started having problems with my eyes where I could hear myself blink and my eyes were always stuck together and it hurt and it felt like there were spider webs in them. Mm-hmm. And then my stomach was getting where it was worse where I was back on a peptic ulcer diet and, and I was trying to, you know, you know, rest and sleep and my eyes were bothering me. And then we went, uh, my husband's dad took us to Australia for a couple of weeks over Christmas
0: mm-hmm.
1: and January. So that was hard on the body but I was pretty good like I didn't drink with you know I barely drank any alcohol I tried to be good but everyone's like you need to rest but you know oh I'm going to go on a vacation in Australia with 15 people even though you didn't intend to rest you don't rest no. right there's five kids in the same house 10 adults even when you're resting you're doing stuff right yeah. so and then the jet lag we get home in the middle of <sighs> January by the middle of February I was like oh, I'm having a hard time eating. You know, I think there's something wrong with my stomach. And I remember I got glasses in February and they said, well, your eyes don't seem that bad. And I was like, why do they hurt so much? Mm -hmm. So I went to an optometrist and they said, well, you got my mild prescription, but get some eye drops. Your eyes are just dry. And then I got that to probably the beginning of March, end of february beginning of march i started having to like blend and puree my food Mm -hmm. because i was so afraid of going to the bathroom because i have uh, proctitis when i get crohn's disease and from then it just went to i went to work one day and i was like i gotta go back to the doctor there is like something wrong Mm -hmm. i went to the doctor at lunch like march 7th i want to say and i never went back yeah i went to i'd been there a couple times for the proctitis issues and the pain Mm-hmm. But I was like, I can barely. I can't even eat. I'm I'm so sick, and my butt hurts. And I went in, went to the doctor's that day. I went at lunchtime. I couldn't go back to work. I was in so much pain, and I never went back to my job again. Like I that weekend, yeah. I screamed and cried all weekend from the pain and um and the the damage that was being done. Yeah. And Which I went you still into my didn't doctor.
0: Know what it was for or what it was no from. idea. Yeah. No
1: idea. I just knew that um my butt hurt and I would like screaming. Pain every time I went to the bathroom, and I couldn't, I couldn't put a toothbrush in my mouth or think about food without having a bowel reaction. Wow! Like it was so strong. Mm -hmm. And Ian and Ann were like, "You need to go to the hospital. Let's go to the hospital." Like Chase went to a friend's for the weekend. I was in the bathtub crying all the time, Mm -hmm. and I was like, "I can't go to the hospital because I was too sick to sit there, like waiting." My belly was so bad that I was like, "I don't want to have diarrhea. I can't go." So I showed up at my doctor's office. Like, she's so great. I just showed up there Monday morning and was like, I need some help. Yeah. And she took me in, first patient, and she loaded me up with um, different antibiotics in case I had an abscess. She loaded me up, like, Percocets and prednisone. And she just gave it all to me and started yeah. trying to get me into a gastroenterologist. Actually, mm-hmm. we've been trying to get me in for a scope before that already. Right. But and- it was in super-duper crisis mode then.
0: Yeah. And then just from my own memory so you said after the previous long flare you did have a scope but they didn't really find anything because you had already looked great yeah you started to recover so there was nothing to see okay so this time you're trying to get a scope again yeah and like not functioning
1: no it was really bad like the Monday like I honestly prednisone is like we'd love to hate it like I took one dose of prednisone and I'm telling you 30 minutes after I took that dose I was like (laughs) Ah <laughs> uh, like it was like uh was, i was also taking percocet so that may have helped yeah. too but the prednisone for me i'm so lucky works well but i wasn't getting better fast enough and my doctor said that was monday and she said come back thursday mm-hmm. if you're not better by thursday I'm going to send you to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I got there Thursday and she said, you need to go to the hospital. Yeah. And so she sent me to the hospital with a note. And I don't know if it will do any good, but she said, you need to go to the hospital. You need a CT of your rectum. And we need to see what's going on. We got to get you in with the gastro. We got to get you scoped. We have to do something here. Like and- something
0: is happening and we are going to actually test it now.
1: Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. And I got to the hospital and they were busy. And the doctor on co- the, the doctor that was in the emerge was like, mad and he was walking around going, oh, you can't do this when people were in code orange and I just can't, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, it looks like you have a, a, a fissure or something. And I was like, I don't think you get how sick I am. Like, I was like, I'm in so much pain. Like, yeah. it was like, it's like having proctalgia now. I know what it's called. It's called proctalgia. And it's like having a Charlie horse of the bum. Yeah. So that was happening to me constantly. So I would literally happen. And it was like getting struck in the bum by lightning and my knees would cripple like, and I'd fall, like, seized. I would just buckle to the ground. I was yeah. like, oh! So he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, we can't do anything because we're in cold orange, and he was really mad. Yeah. And then he talked to Doctor Reddy, and he said, "Well, I talked to him. They're going to give you nitroglycerin cream for the pain. Nitroglycerin cream okay. to put on." And I was like, "But it's in like a yeah, like how understand Yeah. How am I going like, to put that oh,
0: there? Somebody
1: help me!" Yeah. So uh, he uh, then I, I, I walked out of merch. Ian's like, "Come on!" And I just was crying. I felt so not listened to and not heard. Yes. And I walk I was sobbing. Like I remember Ian guiding me out of emerge and I was just sobbing. I was like, nobody's gonna help
0: me. No. I just
1: Ian said I was just a sobbing wreck walking through the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Ian being like, oh my gosh, she's crazy. <laughs> and we got in the car and I phoned my doctor's office and yeah. she was furious. They yeah. called the merge and said, code orange, I guess means there's been a um like a bus crash or a building explosion and they're having an explosion of patients. Right. But that's, she's like, well, what's actually happening in town? Why are you sending people away with code orange? This, my, my, my patient needs a CT scan. Something's wrong. And they were like, well, we're just so busy. And she said, you can't just send people away because you're busy. Like, like, she's like Dr. Pella was like, you can't send people away because you're busy. If I send someone to the hospital, it's because I think there's something wrong. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. So I called the gastroenterologist. She called the gastroenterologist and they were like We'll get you in for a scope in a few weeks, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" So I phoned them on Friday. I let all my pain meds wear off Friday morning, and I said, "You get me in an appointment, or I'm just going to sit in your office and cry all day in front of everybody."
0: That's good. I like that. That's real, though.
1: (laughs) They called me back and were like, "So we'll see you at two on Monday." Oh my (laughs) gosh! I had no. I was like somebody needs to help me. And like, yeah. I, just, I went, I went full crazy, let all the pain. And i just was like, I'm going to sit in your office and cry the whole day until somebody helps me. And yeah. You know, like, okay. So he saw me Monday and was like, "Oh, <laughs> I'd scope you tomorrow. He said, but I don't have somebody that can put you completely under until Wednesday. He said, because I think you need to be 100% sedated for me to do the, the, the yeah. thing. So it's going to be yeah. really rough. Yeah. So he did it on the Wednesday. Finally, <laughs> after my, oh my, my crazy tactics worked, but.
0: But like, it's so, it's so impossible. Like, I feel like there's this, it's something that comes up a lot when I'm talking to people is one, crying in doctor's offices, but two, <laughs> the opposite of that, of like trying to seem really business-like to be taken seriously. And it's like nothing, there's no right
1: strategy. Like if you look too good, like if you do your hair and your makeup and you're like, I'm really going to look professional. Like I'm going to look really so they take me seriously. And then they're like, oh, you just look well. So then yeah. they don't care.
0: You're fine. You must, it must not be that bad. And or if you're, you're a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> but And then when you're like a crying mess, it's like the other side of the spectrum where they're like, you're hysterical and you obviously just want pain meds. You're like, no, I want to not be in pain. And I actually don't care how it happens. Like, yeah.
1: Like, you tell me what I need to do and I'll behave that way, but I've used up all everything in my arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I just don't have a plan and it should be your job to give me one.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly.
0: Feels like lose lose. Okay. So, but so you got in. That's good. I
1: did. I got in. I got my scope and mm-hmm. yeah, I'd been on prednisone. I'd been on a lot of prednisone for nine days and I was still full of big, deep ulcers in my colon. Mm-hmm. So he said, "My, I think you have Crohn's disease.
0: Yeah. It's so he like, said, Well,
1: we'll send you away and see Mm -hmm. what happens we'll send you with your prednisone and if you get sick when you come off the wean of the prednisone Mm -hmm. well then we'll have to put you on something else Mm -hmm. so
0: so then and so this is was that the official diagnosis or did there did they do more it's our
1: it was still their best guess they think it was Crohn's, or it was like an event right if i had that happen and i never got sick again maybe that was fine but if i stayed sick after the prednisone maybe it was Crohn's disease mm-hmm. like they didn't know they said they right. needed to do more and it was if I responded to this drug or that drug then yeah. they would see whether or not it was Crohn's disease so as it was I changed to a paleo diet mm-hmm. to try to help um, and then eventually the autoimmune paleo diet which yeah. really it made an impact uh pain wise uh, but still as soon as the wean from the prednisone was starting my stomach would start getting loose again things mm-hmm. would start coming back as soon as I would get to a lower dose of prednisone. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. And so that was like about two years ago. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it was like the summer of 2016.
0: Okay. So from there, so after the scope, after the ulcers, after testing out what happens with prednisone, what happens next?
1: (laughs) Uh, Next was uh, they started me on Imuran. That okay. year in... Oh, it would have been April. So March, April, May. Yeah, May, I started on the Imuran, an autoimmune suppressant, because as soon as I stopped taking the prednisone or slowed mm-hmm. down, I started getting sick again. Right. And I was really against it because I was trying to have another baby.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I didn't want to take a drug that I couldn't get pregnant on. Right. Which I can't get pregnant. You can't get pregnant on the Imur- uh, on Imuran. So... Mm-hmm. But Dr. Pella put it to me that we also can't let your bowels explode. she right. said So you could perforate your bowel by hoping you're going to get better so maybe you'll be better in a year or so and you know we're just closing that door right now yeah so i started the imuran but because they take like 6 months to work i was on repetitive courses of prednisone trying to keep me well mhm so it wasn't until i would say october of 2016 i started getting a little bit of relief and i kind of started feeling a little bit better like i started you know going to yoga feel like i was doing the autoimmune paleo protocol i was eating carefully going to yoga and i started feeling better like i could and by christmas that year Mm -hmm. i thought okay i'm gonna be able to go back to work in the spring i think i think i'm gonna be okay Mm -hmm. and then everybody got sick and got colds and all that Mm -hmm. i did not i was the only one that didn't and i was like because i don't drink i don't eat sugar i don't eat like i eat very very specifically Mm -hmm. and everybody else was drinking and whatever and I was like oh so patting myself on the back for not getting sick yeah Yeah. in January I got strep throat ah yeah and that was and then a month later I guess two weeks of treatment and then two weeks of recovery and then I had strep throat again and that happened four times in a row which I hear is fairly typical for some people with Imuran yeah you just whatever lives in your body from having strep throat infection and that that being bombarded with I'm all for medicine and antibiotics when you need them for sure. Don't get me wrong. But four times in a row over four months, the antibiotics, I never got my energy back. I couldn't. And I was in a lot of pain. I had a lot of hip pain and joint pain. So Mm -hmm. even when my stomach was feeling well during that, that air, that Christmas area, that time there was so much joint pain that I was being sent to a rheumatologist as well Mm -hmm. to try and rule out lupus and, uh, other autoimmunity. Uh, and, yeah, other things that were linked because we couldn't figure out why I had so much pain. It could partially be dr- uh, back to some of the drugs I took. I took Cipro when I very first got diagnosed in conjunction with prednisone. And in the States, there's a black box warning about Cipro um, destroying your joints when you take it. Okay. Um, ciprofloxacin, which is usually used for UTIs and it's such a gun blast. Mm-hmm. But it can have very... In, there's a like a black box warning when you take it in the States about neurological damage and tendon damage and cartilage damage to your body that's also increased if you take it while you're taking prednisone yeah i was taking high doses of prednisone and cipro and i was like maybe there's damage from that right. so then it's then I, now i'm seeing orthopedic surgeons about my hips yeah i'm seeing rheumatologists i'm seeing everybody and i'm just having pain but no more diagnoses any nothing nothing different mm-hmm. other than pain that's Maybe it's from the Imuran. Yeah. So they eventually took me off that drug. Okay. They took me off that drug. Yeah. In the summer of 2017. Okay. So they took me off that drug. And then, yeah, I was taken off of that. And I seemed to be doing... I was coping Mm -hmm. okay with my diet and still no energy, still pain. But I was making it without the Imuran Mm -hmm. fairly well.
0: So mostly like rest... AIP yeah as your rest, primary yoga yeah, rest like and
1: AIP yeah relaxing. yeah taking it really and I was at the point where I still I couldn't I didn't do yoga I didn't do anything else because mm-hmm. anything else would just wreck me for days if I did too much yeah and you know when you live in that fear of getting sick again like I knew I wasn't on autoimmune suppressants and I was treated for H pylori as well because okay. when they'd done endoscopy they found H pylori in my stomach mm-hmm. and the treatment was awful for that and that was in September of 2017. But I'm telling you, I've never felt so good in my life as when I was treated for that.
0: Really? Like, as, like the yeah. impact of that?
1: Yeah. That two weeks while I was being treated for it, your mouth tastes like you're sucking on pennies all the time. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. But after it... It's die-off. And that September, I was starting to feel good. And my dad passed away suddenly of a heart attack. Yeah. So out to my dad's funeral and all of that stuff. So Yeah. It's a lot, of yeah. course. And I started having a health decline. Yeah. Surprise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then my health started to decline again in 2000. And s- yeah, that would have been 2017 in the, in the fall. I started having a slow decline of mm-hmm. my health again, even though I was trying. But, right.
0: Well, you, you have know, stress, like two tools that you can use and you're using both of them. And yeah, there's still more coming at you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one. Yeah. And so I started getting sick again and it's just, but I wasn't terribly sick. You know, when you just, you know, you're just making it right. Yeah. And then April of 2018, I had a massive flare. Mm-hmm. So just this last April, I, uh, that started with proctalgia, rectal pain. And then it just blew up from there mm-hmm. to being a really bad flare again.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, so do do you go to a gastro? Do you have like yeah, like a local local ish care team. Well,
1: in Toronto, um, but he, we do um we do Skype, oh well, not Skype, yeah. but telehealth at the hospital. Yeah. Um, my doctor prescribed me, you know the the pain, uh, the prednisone, and in conjunction with my gastro. So mm-hmm. in April, they put me on because they didn't really want to put me on prednisone again because I I'm so sick after I take it, right. even if a slow wean. It just makes I'm. It's hard on your body, yeah. right? Prednisone, even though it makes you feel fantastic while you're on it. Well, it does for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It make it's hard on your body, so they were trying to avoid that. So I was taking uh, rectal anti-inflammatory Ooh. enemas for two months. Oh, it was good times. That it sounds good. fun. Oh, it's like romantic. Yeah. Um, those rectal cortisone foam. It was like Ooh. just horrific. Yeah. Uh, that and trying to get it better that way Mm -hmm. but after probably like after like a week or two i was getting to the point where i was super sick upper gastro everything was going wrong again so it was more you know booking for ct scans booking for mris diffuse abdominal pain 50 milligrams of prednisone for 30 days to try and get it to settle down so Mm -hmm. it was another three months of treatment
0: just getting back to hopefully baseline
1: yeah. yeah, and I d- eventually did in the summer, got back to baseline. I put on like 20 pounds from being on steroids, which is good. It's nice to have a buffer when you have yeah. Crohn's disease. Um, and I felt like I had to sleep all the time. Like I could sleep like when I was with Ian's stepsisters and I was with, then I'd leave them with Chase or, and I would sleep for four or five hours during the day and still sleep all night. Yeah. Like I just can't Yeah, get better. And then Thanksgiving of this year, I started flaring again. Okay. So that's when we've started. In the last year, after April, they started the testing to, to see if I was, uh, if Remicade would be good for me. So doing a intravenous uh, autoimmune suppressant, a mm-hmm. biologic. Mm-hmm. So I've done the, the chest x-rays, the hepatitis tests, the TB tests, and all of that stuff um, to see if they think Remicade will like, work for me.
0: If you're a candidate.
1: If I'm a candidate for that. Um, and then... The flare started again in, I had a bad flare starting in uh, Thanksgiving and I'm still sick from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't started prednisone yet. I'm going to try hydrocortisone and see if we can do that. Mm -hmm. And then I saw my gastro and February, he's going to scope me and see what he thinks about doing the Remicade. But in the meantime, on my own, I'm seeing another natural health doctor in Burlington. I'm trying something called low dose naltrexone.
0: Which I, I have you've heard of. I have heard of and I don't know a ton about it. But yes.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. It, it, so many people are having great things with it. I started yeah. taking it when I kind of got this flare under control on my own before I got in to see my gastro. Mm-hmm. I started taking really high doses of CBD isolate powder. Mm-hmm. And I seemed to start like for me when my Crohn's is bad. If I think about food, I get cramps. Like yeah. my stomach's like that
0: and connection it seemed so I, strong.
1: Yeah. Like I, I went to the point where I was losing a pound a day mm-hmm. to the weight loss stopped for about a week, mm-hmm. but I'm using $55 worth of CBD a week, if not more. Yeah. It's not sustainable. And like, yeah. every time I s- cut down my dose, I started getting sick again. Yeah. And I started trying the low dose naltrexone, but I was so sick that I was like, am I having a reaction to the naltrexone or am I sick? So I stopped taking it. So I didn't confuse the issue because taking a new drug- while you're sick, you just don't know what's happening to you. It is so
0: hard to correlate. You're like, this could just be happening and both ways. I think when you get sicker and also when you get better.
1: When you get better, you're like, what did I do? Yeah. Why do I feel good today?
0: I yeah. And it's so easy to become superstitious about it. Of like, okay, now I have to do all of these things in the exact same order every day, just in case. And it's like... like it could be freaking anything it exactly this is the thing that makes me nuts as a person and like I've had a particularly good week this past week and I just started on a new vitamin b complex and I'm like (laughs) Maybe maybe that's it and it's because like you're saying, Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, which was now yes. like two months ago, but yeah. American Thanksgiving just happened, and we and there was like a bunch of extra family stuff involved after Thanksgiving. So I had like three, I'll call them like performative family days, very close together. Performative family days, you know, that's
1: the best. Like that's the best way it's ever been described. Yeah,
0: because it's like, and that's why with, with Adam's family, so who who's great? I love Adam's family, and. It's exhausting. It's like yeah.
1: still exhausting talking to anybody like this is exhausting. Yeah. Like it's wonderful. Totally. But it'll still be like you gotta sack out for a few hours afterwards yeah. because you've used up all of your Yes yeah. energy.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes. And so, like, I think I also had, like, basically a holiday hangover for a week. So I'm like, am I feeling better because I just haven't had any of that stuff to do? I've just been at home. Or am I feeling better because, like, I got some fun new methylated vitamins? Like, I just have. Oh, you got the methylated B12? Yeah. I, I yeah, do have so the MTHFR mutation. So <laughs> I have yes. two. It's like, I mean, it's a complex. There's a bunch of stuff in it. But I think the folate, it's methylfolate methylfolate yeah and methylated 12 and then whatever yep. else is in there it's, there's a bunch I of take stuff those too. <laughs> so I, I don't know and it's like and it could be neither it could just be yeah. what this week is like
1: yeah so yeah. i don't, my new thing right now is i'm on this because i was like hey, what else could be wrong with me so i'm on this thyroid and adrenal group mm-hmm. i love it because when they talk about and they led me to um what are optimal lab values, right? right. You know, like your doctor. No, oh, ferritin. Anything between five and two hundred and seventy-two is fine. Okay, so my ferritin's eight, and when I've read, women don't feel good unless their ferritin's seventy. Yeah. So I was like, oh well, and so my doctor is really good at going to the low-hanging fruit. Like my B twelve still in normal, but at the very bottom. Yeah. My thyroid numbers are kind of in normal, but they're off. So what if we get everything to optimal? That's yeah. my new thing is chasing optimal instead of a doctor looking at that's what's great about the new technology of today is looking at our own lab reports reports instead of being told by a doctor yep you're fine now I can go well wouldn't maybe I'd feel better if I was optimal what let's do the low-hanging fruit of getting optimal instead of me looking for some rare crazy disease let's just get my body to where women's bodies like to be Mm -hmm. you know yeah but yeah who knows what why you have a good day why you have a good week? I know, I know, yeah. and then you're hopeful. Yeah, I, it's like almost the worst when you're hopeful. You're like, oh, "Have I figured it out? Is yeah. this the end?" of I'm better this now. Way? I'm better now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's
0: so yeah. it's so true, and that's like the the optimal lab ranges is such an interesting thing. I feel like that comes up a lot. That's like what functional medicine is about. Yeah. As they're like, yeah, well, labs just give you their average range, and like different labs have different ranges, so those numbers aren't super meaningful. They're not. Um, they're
1: only meaningful to a doctor. Yeah. To what they think is okay. They're not yeah. meaningful.
0: Yeah. At so all. it's it's like a bonkers thing. So that's super interesting. I agree. And now yeah. also in this range, it's like Christmas is coming up. This will, this episode will probably come out after Christmas, but Christmas is coming up, which is like a whole. <laughs>
1: i know and all you know my priorities yeah. i'm like i want to be well enough that i can have just one baileys and coffee because yeah. i don't drink i don't drink coffee those things don't agree with me right and they're not like right now i'm like i don't even want to eat because i'd rather be hungry than in pain yeah so i start my new meds next week but i can't start them until I've, i'm doing a big course from my functional i've got a in burlington i have this amazing doctor who's a gp and a functional mm-hmm. at the same time so he can write prescriptions yeah. and he can do all the other stuff yeah so he's amazing but i'm doing this course of three days stool samples but i can't take any steroids while i'm doing them yeah so i gotta wait till i'm done that and then i can start my steroids next week and yeah. uh, by christmas i'm like Maybe I'll feel well enough. Just to have one coffee, just like yeah. one coffee in Bailey's. But yeah. it shouldn't like. It's sad that that makes me excited, but I like coffee and Bailey's. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> and that's the that's the thing of like the constant balance of of being like these are things that just bring me joy, but I recognize that my body doesn't love them, and it's it's like a physical health, mental health
1: balance. I think. And you have to have that. People yeah. will be like, you know, you shouldn't be eating that. That might make me not feel well. Like when I'm going through a phase where I can't eat things. And I'm like, yeah, but there's got to be a balance. Yeah. Like, I do feel like perfection is the enemy of progress. I don't know how many times I've heard that because I've like, I've got to do AIP perfectly. I've got to do it perfectly to be well. I've got to be perfect in every way to get well. No, you got to enjoy life a little bit too because then it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it I actually dread. Yeah, dread and stress. And, yeah. Yeah. So if you're like, uh, I'm going to have a little bit of stuff I shouldn't have today. Like for me, that might be, I'm going to eat, I don't know, I might have a piece of gluten-free bread at a party. Like, woo, it's so yeah. exciting. Or I might have a decaf coffee with cream in it, which is a, you know, yeah. on days when I know this shouldn't hurt that bad. I right. should be okay. Cause like, you know, and people are like, Ooh, like Ian this is the biggest one. Cause he hates to see me in pain. He's like, yeah. Oh, that's going to make you sick. I'm like, "Get yeah, you get. I have to enjoy stuff sometimes." I enjoy AIP food. I enjoy paleo food, but those things that I love that I miss, once in a while, yeah. we have to still have them. Yeah. We can't live in this bubble. So you yeah. do have to yeah. enjoy it once in a while. Yeah. What's your treat? Oh my What's your God. treat? Well,
0: so here's <laughs> so I'm having this weird situation right now that I have no explanation for, which is that one of my nostrils gets Like, there's something inside of it that gets painfully swollen whenever I eat sugar. I don't know why. That's so nice and interesting. It started in July. And at first, I was just like, this, I have a weird infection. Adam was like, maybe it's a zit in your nose. Um, And that's what I thought at first. And eventually it went down. And then, and we had just been at a wedding. And usually at weddings, I'll like, let loose a little bit. So I will drink, but I still don't have gluten. Like, you know, I have my like yeah, 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 yeah. My You normal know your rules. boundary. Yeah. You know
1: what you can survive. There's
0: like my at home rules, which is mostly paleo. I'm not AIP. I'm not playing with that right now. But like mostly paleo. Yeah. I don't identify as paleo, but that's definitely how I eat. And then like yeah. my special occasion rules, which are like stay away from gluten still because you know that one is not working for you. Those are my
1: special those are my special yeah. occasion rules too. <laughs> but like
0: everything else is kind of fair game. And, but now, so that, so I went to a wedding and then as soon as that wedding was over, it started, the same place got aggravated again. And I was like, that's weird. I don't know what it is, but last time was right after a wedding. This is right after a wedding. Like, here are some common things. And then I went down again and then I was at like a bridal shower and the woman throwing it had gotten like four gluten free cupcakes in addition to a bunch of other cupcakes. And that's the other thing about it, which is like, People are so generous when they know that you have a dietary restriction, but often they don't really understand it. And so if there are gluten-free, like crackers or cupcakes or whatever, it has been my experience that the host of the event will always seek me out and tell me at least five times.
1: I have this for you.
0: Yeah. And it's so nice. And it's also like, actually, under my normal bounds, I don't eat grains or sugar at all. And so whatever... Weird gluten-free thing that no one else is going to eat that you bought, especially for me, from a place of love, I would prefer not to eat. But so then I'll end up, like, eating one, of course. So I had <laughs> I had a gluten-free cupcake, and they were good. And then, like, that same day, it started again. And it's, like, painful and swelling, and it's inside, so you can't really see it. But it's, like, in a way where even some facial expressions hurt. It's super weird. And it takes 48 hours. So that was a long explanation of this weird thing that's happening now, which the takeaway is that it used to be that my special occasions like included eating some sugar and that's out now because I'm still, I I have continued to push it at least three more times since then. And it's like, you had to be sure. Yeah. And it's like, it's a little <laughs> bit swollen right now because of, I think somebody came over, same thing. One of Adam's friends came over and he, he brought like bit. Break and bake cookies for them to make, and he was like, "and I and I got something for you too, Brian." And it was like, "Wonderful, a gluten-free dessert." So I ate it, and then the next day I was swollen. Um, yeah. So, so basically, my like go-to, really spoil yourself right now is um, Russell Stover's sugar-free candy, which you cannot eat very many of, many of because they cause GI distress, and yeah. so. I'm lucky because I don't typically have GI distress. I, they are, like, so not an option for anybody who does. But I eat too many of those, I would say, as a person right now. They have, like, so, a thin mint and they have a little coconut bar. And it's the same with the Atkins treats, actually. Atkins also sells treats. And this is, like, it's not good food. I do not advocate for it. No,
1: but it's, it's something when you want to have something that you don't react too poorly. Like, my treat right now, because I tolerate it a little bit, mm-hmm. is I make... I make rice pudding in my instant pot. Nice. So white rice, yeah. coconut milk and maple syrup and yeah. water. And cause white rice, I don't normally eat grains, but white rice I eat when I have a flare because it's benign and it helps my tummy. It mm-hmm. just, and it gives me some raw energy. Like there's just a bit of something there that yeah. my body doesn't have to work. Yeah. And some coconut milk, but is it's good. You just want some sweet. Yeah. Just, just, I want something sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I want a treat. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We also have – this is my other thing that I am eating probably too much of right now is um I, I think it's a local company makes a, like, gluten-free, grain-free pizza. So still dairy, still very carby, but, like, it's all, I don't know, tapioca starch and whatever else is in it. And, it's, and you can buy them frozen at the grocery store, and it makes me very happy when we get them. Because yeah. normally, you know – It's a nice treat. Yeah, because, like, most days we eat – I mean, I eat the same thing every day, but it's like we through the summer and I just picked up the last one. We have a CSA. So it's all like locally grown yep. organic vegetables. And then we buy mm-hmm. our meat from like a grass fed meat place. I mean, you guys have you guys do you guys still do cows?
1: No, like since I got sick. It's all too much work sick. for Ian. Like we still yeah. have some of our own beef, but we're getting to the end of it. Yeah. But yeah we try and do as much local grass fed meat as possible. But again, it's one of those things for us right now it's not always possible so you just got to do your best yeah you just do your best but yeah Yeah. it's a lot of roasted vegetables and a meat that's yeah it's my life oh i've lost you
0: hang on i just I minute okay it says it will resume automatically um can you still hear me yeah
1: yep i can we're all good okay
0: yes That's, it's so, the balance, and then one more thing that it made me think of, because you were mentioning with, like, how Ian can react to you seeing it, and I think there's two parts of it. There's, like, one, the person who cares for you, kind of directly, and in this case, I don't just mean you, I also mean me and everybody else. Mm -hmm. This came up in another one of my conversations, too. She was like, and it's hard, because when I do the, when I, like, for her, it was with working. She was like, and I really want to take on this project, but I know that if I do it, I'll have to rest for two weeks after, and my partner will have to take care of me, and at that level, that's not fair to him. So there's like balancing this other person. And then there's also, if you're like, I'm thinking about it with family events, people who know that you have been sick in the past and then see you like eating or drinking what looks normally will also assume that it's over. There's like, I don't even know Wait. how to describe it, but there's this like weird interplay with how other, pers- other people perceive your level of health. I don't know if this is making sense or not. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely. People think that you're fine. If I really get it together and there's something I have to go to and I put some hair and makeup on, mm-hmm. I rest all day so I can spend two or three hours out of the house. Yeah. Everyone's- you look so good you must be fine now yeah no I'm gonna sleep for three days after being here but you don't want to be a bag and say that but people do think you must be fine I I, I'm it's like it's true it's the invisible illness yeah you must be fine now you look so good you put on some weight oh I'm so happy you're doing well and you're like yeah I'm barely surviving but yeah sure thanks yeah, yeah. and when people mean well it's hard because everybody means well and nobody knows what to make of it totally but but yeah you, you go out and yeah people think that you're okay
0: yeah and it's yeah it's like you don't one want to be like well actually because it's not the point of the conversation
1: yeah you're a jerk if you're like well actually i'm gonna pay for this for days yeah Yeah, yeah. And I just
0: wish I guess that's that's why I'm doing this as a podcast. It's like I just wish that we culturally had more of like an awareness and a script for that. Because I think it's that people who haven't experienced it firsthand or secondhand will say, like with a close friend or loved one, like really have no idea that this level of sick even exists.
1: No, no, I went into my work and my boss said, and that's another thing that culturally bothers me, is where I worked and I think in a lot of people's work judgment is not having good judgment isn't appreciated. People just want stamina. Yeah. You know, if you work until like, as I, I told my boss before that this happened, I kept saying, I'm not doing well. I got way too much workload. I'm, i I need to deal with my stress better, obviously, but like there's way too much for me to do in a day. I'm not getting it done. I said, so I'm going to drop a ball or I'm going to get sick. Mm-hmm. I got sick. Yeah. And culturally we value stamina over judgment.
0: Yes, we don't
1: like like you. Oh, you maybe if I'd have used some better judgment and taken some time off, I wouldn't have gotten as sick. But that would have been frowned upon at work. Yeah, it would have been like I was just weak. You know what I mean? I, yes, I, we do. We do value uh, stamina over judgment. And I and he, I went into work and, and just vi- recently and visited. And I was at, at, during this flare, and it was really bad. I hadn't eaten, so I could leave the house that day without being in pain. I'd had no food. It was two o'clock in the afternoon. And I kept being told how i looked the best I'd looked in ages. Yeah. Well, I was still carrying at that point some steroid weight. The yeah. last time he'd seen me, I'd been cripplingly ill and for months. So I was very, very thin. You look so good. I cannot believe it. You have put on weight. You, well, I can't believe you're sick. This is the best you've ever looked. And I'm like, right. that's why I'm not coming back to work here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It doesn't... Yeah, there...
1: How do simple. we talk about it? And how do we teach people to talk about it with people that have an invisible illness?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is like one of the great questions of this undertaking. Because um, so Unless
1: you're lying in bed, people assume that you're OK. If you're up and out doing something, sometimes I have to take my child places. Yeah. But people assume, oh, you're doing better now. Yeah. No, but I do have to. I, I'm not bedridden 24 hours a day, yeah. but I'm not well. Yeah. And also, like,
0: talking about it, honestly, isn't a play for pity or sympathy.
1: It's just real. You know?
0: Yeah. It's like people, because they don't know what it is or how to respond to it, that I think it, like, it turns on a lot of listening filters when you're trying to explain it to somebody. Mm -hmm. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I should be sympathetic right now. And like, sure, yes, like, empathy would be good, but I'm not telling you this for that reason.
1: No, I just want you to understand where I am. Yes. We, just, we just want to be understood where yeah. we're at and that we're not going to be fine tomorrow. And I, I used to go places and, I'm, and I'd and i be scared that somebody would see me because mm-hmm. they would be like, well, Crystal is not working. She's too sick to work, but she's here. Yeah. Yeah. But this is like the only thing I'm going to do this week. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, and I'm afraid of people seeing me doing something where I might be smiling.
0: Yes. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it feels... <laughs> nuts to think that and I absolutely agree and also feel that way (laughs) Um, definitely yeah and then what do you think about work now like I think that your stamina versus judgment is spot on and so like another big question that I have is what could work look like for people who are invisibly ill or chronically ill like what what would your ideal or dream work scenario look like In terms of accommodations or or whatever. Do
1: you know what I mean? Such a loaded question because I flip flop all the time. In my mind, (laughs) I don't even want to say it. In my mind, I'm going to figure it out and be 100%. And (laughs) I still haven't fixed in my head what wants to be an overachiever. Like in my mind, If I can fix this adrenal thing and this anxiety thing and this brain thing and this gut thing and I get it all worked out because I think I'm nearly there, then I want to go back to school and I want to be a doctor. Like, I really, I can't in my brain squash that part of me that wants to just be fine and do everything. And still in my mind, I'm going to be fine and do everything. Like, Like, there will be an after. Yeah, Yeah. But realistically... Mm-hmm. In reality, I have no idea what it looks like. Like, is it driving the bus part-time? Is it I don't know. I, I- I'm so between feeling well and doing a million things and being nearly bedridden yeah. that I want to do some YouTube videos. Yeah. I, I want to do some stuff that because my whole life and I think that's the thing from chronically ill people and we all learn so much about each like all the podcasts everything I listen to are people who are like I've had rheumatoid arthritis and I treated it with AIP I've had this I've had that and because you come you become a professional almost in your body and what's happened to you that the only thing that really interests me is health yeah right now that's all I care about and I don't want to do anything I don't care about ever again yeah which is like, I don't ever want to invest my time in some crap I don't care about. Because really, all I care about is gut health. And there's this me. It's, it's, it's a dude sitting on a chair and on a swing set at looking kind of sad, a man. And it says, me at a party when no one wants to talk about gut health. Yeah. It's like literally <laughs> yeah. my own, like, that's, I, my friend of mine sent it to me. And because it's like, it's so me. I'm like, I really only care about health and wellness at this point. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't know how to go back to work. I don't know how to do work-life balance mm-hmm. and I'm, I, it's something I have to work on. I'm trying to do my meditate 45 minutes a day and blah, blah, blah. I don't know that I can ever work full time and have work-life balance again because I'm not good at work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I want to get up and my go-to is to go a hundred miles an hour all day, all the time and do everything. Yeah. And I don't know that I can ever do that again. I want to, but I know I shouldn't. And... I, I, I At this point, I don't know, Brianne. I do not know. And Ian says to not worry about it and just get better. Like, just get better. Because I'm like, I said, Ian, I don't know how I'll ever go back to how I used to do life. Because yeah. we were so busy with things. that You know, Ian's outside a lot and I do all the parenting and the cooking and the cleaning and the dinner. And the... I said, I can't ever go back to that. I said, I will never, ever be able to work eight hours a day out of the house and then be in charge of every single thing in the house. Yeah. I said, it just is never going to happen again. Yeah. And he's like, Well, let's not worry about it until you're well. Right. So I have to kind of put it out. I don't know. I don't know. That's okay. Yeah. I don't don't think there's
0: an answer. And I think one of the things about it and maybe even like the idea or the definition of work-life balance is when it's like, one, I agree because I love talking about this stuff, obviously. But two, when you're like preparing the food that I need to be well isn't something that I can realistically isn't something that I can do and then go somewhere else for eight hours. Like I need access to a lot of stuff because I can't predict how I'm going to feel. So like I need to have all of the foods that I need accessible. And then also like I do right now, I do like a nasal rinse every day. I have a nebulizer for like medicated crap to put in my sinuses. It takes sometimes half an hour to 45 minutes, however long it takes to flush. And like I have an infrared sauna. I have a little portable box. It's great and also weird cuz just your head sticks out um but like that's a i don't know another half hour that i have to take out of my day at some point plus warm up time plus shower plus sometimes that throws off my heart rate or sh- throws something else off and then i need to rest after my shower like it doesn't fit into the same schedule every day. And so, this thing that I used to do of like, okay, well, I get up and I go for a run and then I come home and then I have breakfast and make coffee and then I go and I get on the streetcar and then I get to work before nine and then I'm there until five sitting upright, sitting upright in a chair. Like all day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's
0: what I'm going to do. And I'm going to have all of the foods predictably that I need when I can't buy anything.
1: Everything I eat is is made by, I make. Yeah. So the amount of time I spend on food prep, it's just not realistic to do anything else food time, unless I'm earning so much money that I can be paying someone to do um, hours and hours of food prep, right? And that's what I tried this fall, was it fall, spring, this spring, is I started doing paleo food prep for working moms. I was having a period of wellness and I thought this is my business. Yeah. And I started prepping paleo meals and delivering them to moms. Yeah. 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 That was two weeks. And then I was deathly ill. Yeah. But, but people loved it. Yeah. Working moms, like were like, this is the best thing ever. And even like people that weren't moms. Yeah. Were like, they are busy. just busy women. Yeah. Just women who are busy and who don't want to sit and cut up a butternut squash and measure out everything and get ready you know, to make a homemade curry or blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, whatever. They were thrilled to have it. And I wanted to do it because that's what I would like in my life. Yeah. Because if I were to work full time, how do I prep all this food that I eat? Yeah like making sauerkraut, making kombucha, yeah. making whatever you're all you're cutting vegetables. your whole life's cutting up vegetables.
0: Yes, it takes a lot of time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I can't eat salad. I can't eat raw. My right. stomach doesn't like raw. So you're just like all you're doing is prepping food. Yeah so how do you I don't know how that ever fits. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
0: It, it has to be a part of it, I think because I, I think I'm, you're right. I,
1: I think women have to ha- love having their careers and I'm happy for everybody that can make it work. But I don't know that we can be the caregivers, the cleaners, the grocery shoppers, the emotional labor people, everything, and work full-time. I don't know how. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I know I can't. There's an integration
0: required that we don't know what it looks like yet.
1: Yeah. We're still trying to do everything we were doing before we worked full-time, but do it all and work full-time. Yeah. Well,
0: and and with you guys, like you kind of mentioned it, like Ian is outside, but you basically like before had full times and also a farm. And I know it's not like a giant, fully operating farm, but like there were cows and there were chickens and there were vegetables. Well, there's
1: always something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Always you know, there was always electric fence that needed to be fixed or or posts that need to be drilled or there's or a car that needs the brakes or the tractor yeah. or the there's or the snowmobile. There's always something that needs to be fixed outside when you have this kind of property yeah. and an yeah. older house. So it's, it's not that my husband's not doing stuff right he's just got a lot of stuff to do outside yeah
0: there's a lot like of a work lot. to be yeah it's not just yeah he
1: shovels the driveway and and, and, and mows the lawn there's yeah. like my gosh mowing the lawn here takes like four hours yeah so you have a lot of lawn yeah we have a lot of lawn and a lot of property yeah so it's not yeah it's it's not feasible for us to share the all the indoor stuff half and half because he's doing stuff outdoors so. Yeah,
0: because that doesn't add up to 100 of the work
1: Not at all. Yeah. No, no, not at all. It's crazy. So I don't know. Work-life balance? I got no idea. Yeah. No, I don't know that there is one. But I like to know
0: how people are thinking about it because it feels like an important question.
1: Yeah. And I think there's part of us all that want to go back to the way things were and be just fine. Like there's that part of me that's like, well, I just want to get my body where I can not wreck it, but still do everything I want to do. Like I still am stuck in that brain set. Yeah, Well, and I think, like,
0: other people expect that. Like, it's even, like, a small thing. So for a while, we were staying with Adam's parents for, like, three or four months, I want to say, of this year. Like, we moved in with them at this exact time in December last year uh, to get out of the mold house. And it was like we were going somewhere maybe we were going to go visit friends overnight and so I was packing just all of the stuff that I need to go do that so it's like my medication and my supplements stuff, so and my yeah like my protein powder and my just all of the crap that lets me like go into someone else's environment Yeah. Um, and my father-in-law was like because I was starting to get better that's why we were even doing this and he was like just think soon you won't have to do that every time you want to go anywhere and it's like oh no that's I Snow. now recognize that that, that after it? does not exist for me. Like, yeah. I can. I can go somewhere overnight without bringing all of my junk with me. And it's even, like, little stuff like Stevia so that I can enjoy my coffee a little bit more. Like, because I am drinking coffee right now. But, like, if I don't bring anything, what actually happens is I get incredibly… you, have something you shouldn't. Yeah, like I have something I shouldn't, and also I get really anxious about what I'm gonna
1: eat. oh that's that's a terrible feeling. Yeah, you're worried about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I I when we go away for the weekend, I usually have I have a cooler that plugs in in the trunk of my car. Yeah, and I pre cook all my food. I pre cook my, you know, I have butternut squash with ca- red cabbage, and I saute it in duck fat, and I have a container of that. Mm-hmm. I have a container of some other stir fry. I have little containers of food. Yeah. And my AIP buns or scones, and I have them all ready. So for me, going away for the weekend is three days of cooking. Yeah. Before we go. Yeah. And yeah, and 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 that, yeah. I think one day you won't have to do this. Oh, I probably always will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's,
0: there's like a hyper, a level of hyper vigilance that's just.
1: Because you do worry. Yeah. When you're out and you might get somewhere and think, I don't have anything to eat. I don't have anything to eat, and I'm like maybe I'll have some celery. I'll just eat some raw celery at somebody's house. And then you're like, will it give me a stomachache? Or maybe it won't give me a Mm stomachache. Or then you're so hungry that people are eating things you shouldn't eat. And then you have a bite because just because you're so hungry.
0: Yeah. Yes. It compounds very quickly.
1: It does. It does. So being prepared is exhausting, but way easier. Like when I go to someone's house, I have my own cooler of food. I've got my ridiculous amount of supplements and teas and yeah. things to make it okay yeah like well, collagen and blah 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 yeah
0: like i've always got collagen peptide and i've always got electrolytes uh-huh. because those go like a bunch of stuff happens with electrolytes and i just need them it's just better yep. to have them available which electrolytes do you take right now right now i've been using um blending up my own uh calm magnesium and then literally just putting in um sea salts and then uh or I think we have Himalayan salt right now, actually. Yep. But, you know, mineral salt yes. of some kind. Mineral salt, yeah. And then um, I don't know if this is the best way to do this or not. But for potassium, I just buy no salt.
1: So, like, yeah. it's, yep. you know. So. I, I've been using cream of tartare in orange juice. Oh, interesting. Cream of tartare is really high. I've been using cream of tartare. They call it in my circles an adrenal cocktail. But, huh. like, cream of tartare, uh, food-based vitamin C powder and salt, and you mix it up and drink it. Mm-hmm. But I guess that would be very, I was hoping you were telling me you had an awesome prepackaged one that I didn't have to make my own. and That's
0: what I was There's, looking for. <laughs> I can
1: tell you. I'll tell you after what, like, because I'll look it up. I do have okay. whatever
0: my doctor recommended, because he recently was like, I think keto would be really good for you. And I've, I've been on that train enough times that I did not need his electrolyte recommendation. But he yes. did recommend one from Amazon. I don't know what the price point is, but I'll send it to okay. you, whatever it was. Okay.
1: Because you know, mixing making your own, like as you got to get out your, like, but cream of tartar is a great fun for potassium. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Elixir. We
0: just bought a bunch of it because I made yeah. for Thanksgiving. I made the uh, like AIP rolls from um, whatever AIP cookbook I have. Ah, they're nice, like, nice root vegetable rolls, and they're so good. I actually oh,
1: should send me the picture of that. Yeah, I will. Case.
0: I have I. My, I made them for Thanksgiving with my sister like two years ago. And now the last two years that I have not been there, she's been like, please send me the recipe for those rolls again. It's from uh, me too. Sarah Valentine's cookbook. I'll send it to oh, you. Oh,
1: is it from hers? Oh, yeah. I love her. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: Because they're good. But um. the
1: paleo mom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I have many of those kinds of cookbooks now, including Nom Nom Paleo, which I think I bought after you were like, please look. I this love cookbook. Nom Nom Paleo. Yeah. Yeah. I we love that. They, at Whole Foods now, they have her, uh, like, mushroom
1: blend. So the they, Magic you,
0: Mushroom Powder? Yeah, because so I never managed to make it myself, but then we just nope. bought it. And I'm like, this is, is the good? best thing ever. It's so good.
1: Okay, so I have to get it next time I'm at Whole Foods yeah. in Toronto. <laughs> and I
0: was, I like, Adam bought it. So, I mean, I feel like it probably felt somewhat expensive, but also we still have it, and I use it pretty generously, so it goes pretty far.
1: Yeah, but, but. it's something that's a little expensive that's going to make – AIP better and more, or paleo better and more. Yeah, it, it's it's usually worth it when it's something that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and if you're like the the thing is, except for me and the like, Russell Stover sugar free candy. Like, there's so much crap that I don't spend money on anymore. That's right. That used to be like cheap stuff, but whatever. Even chips, it's like I used. But to... a lot
1: of it. There was a lot of cheap stuff, but yeah. then you got like 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 my son's lunch there's not there's no like granola bars or cheese like there's no prepackaged food it's all chopped vegetables fruit, meat mm. yeah and whatever so some of the stuff I buy is more expensive but I'm not buying a ton of non-expensive stuff so I'm hoping yeah. it balances out yeah <laughs> that's my hope that's how I think of it yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah that's the stuff it's the stuff it's yeah you send me that recipe please
0: I will I will I definitely have it um and okay so I think we should start to wrap up. Wrap up? You look ready. Is there anything else that you've like thought of or that's come up while we've been talking or in general if you have anything else in your brain to get out and if not we are good.
1: I think that I thought I think I got it all out. You're very good at uh keeping people on track. Thank so, you. No, I, I got it out. I like to like
0: actually think through the chronology cuz I know the things that we, like, get the, – the wormholes that we go down trying to navigate this stuff change so much over time. Like – A hundred percent. So it's it's interesting to think them all through. Thank you for listening to episode 16 of No End in Sight. In the next episode, I'll be talking to somebody living through his second bout of post-concussion syndrome about how these experiences have reshaped his life, dating while chronically ill, and disability and politics. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts to find out when new episodes are released. If these stories are resonating with you, then I'd love to hear your story. To learn more, just head to noendinsight.co and click share your story. My stats tell me that my third biggest audience is in Australia, which is very exciting. And I recognize that my interview time slots are probably not very accessible to people on the other side of the world. So if you're in a wildly different time zone than me and would like to find a time to talk, definitely just shoot me a message. And don't forget that I have a small Facebook community called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's pretty small and quiet right now, but I'd love it to become a place where we share resources about building a business while prioritizing our health. And finally... This podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. I love to cross-stitch as a way to feel productive during flares when I'm stranded in front of the television. I am slowly working on my winter patterns, and I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.